Are you looking to learn more about investing in the central Indiana real estate market? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast with TNH Realty, where we discuss all things related to investing in the central Indiana real estate market. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Tallman with TNH Realty. We are a residential property management company that services the central Indiana market. For today's show, I actually have two guests with me. They're an investor duo with Best Management, which is located right here in beautiful Indianapolis. The first is Mike Davis. Mike is a lawyer and a partner at the law firm of Cohen, Gerlich, and Glazier. And the second is Zach Canole, sales director at the Indie Home Shop. Welcome to the show, you two. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys being here. Now, in full disclosure, you two, Best Management, are both clients of ours. I want to get that, get that out of the way right off the bat. But I do think you two have an interesting story for a couple of reasons. Um, the first is that you're local. Like I mentioned, you guys live here in Indianapolis, central Indiana, work here. Um, and that's a little different. Most of our clients, as you can imagine, don't live in the state. That's why they hire us. I did a little research on this because I thought I knew the answer, but it's changed over the years. Um, about 75% of our clients live out of state. Uh, I would have thought it would have been more than that. So 25% are right here, um, which I think is interesting. And then the second part of why I thought you guys would be a, a fun uh, duo to interview is that you guys self-manage for a while. And that's a persona that we look at called the self-manager because um, we do get a lot of inquiries into our business for people that are self-managing and for various reasons have decided they want to turn over their um, their portfolio to us to manage. So before we get started, let's get a quick background on you. I gave a, you know, a very quick one, but let's start with Mike. Mike, talk about, you know, your your history in real estate and, um, you know, kind of what led you to, to where you are today. Yeah, thanks for having us on the show, number one. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I grew up here in Indianapolis on the north side, went to a big public high school, North Central High School, went down to IU, got a finance degree, um, stayed down there, got a law degree. Um, I'm going to give you the real short version of all this. I, my wife and I had lived up in Chicago. I worked for a big firm, Kirkland and Ellis, up there for a few years, and we'd moved back to Indy and um, worked for a small firm, Johnson Smith, downtown in Indy, always in real estate. And I'm part of the Davis Homes family, which is a, you know, a big home building company here in Indiana. Yes. Um, I'd worked there for 15 years. I built some apartments. I started a little group called Best Homes that did, you know, kind of first time home buying properties. Um, kind of morphed into uh, managing the, the Davis Homes operations team um, at the company. And it's a real long story. I'll make sure uh, my oldest brother and I sold our interest in the company to our middle brother, uh, Brad, who's still running Davis Homes and doing a great job. And that was back in about 07. And I went to work with a multifamily developer here in town called Flaherty and Collins, great company, worked there for about three years and um, left there on the, the big crash, which is a whole nother topic, but I'd left there to do a couple uh, 
oh, a startup that didn't didn't work out so well. But I went back into practicing law, and it's been about 13 years ago. Uh, practiced for a larger firm downtown, and now I'm at a, a law firm on the north side of Indy. We've got about 20 partners. Um, really good setup for me. I do a lot of banking work, a lot of real estate work. And in, we'll come talk more about this, but in connection with that, you know, we, we do some real estate investing and our families had some apartments that we'll talk about that um, we've sold. And now Zach and I are partners and we're buying a, a nice portfolio of kind of single family and then small multifamily units here in Indy. So yeah. I could talk about it all day, but I won't. <laughs> so yeah, you got a, like you got the a long background history. background I could give you. So yeah, yeah it's I think a long I, history. I think I told you, Mike, when we first met and you said, you know, you were, you worked with Davis Holmes or were part of Davis Holmes, a family. And um, my sister, who ac actually happens to be an attorney, the first home they ever built was a Davis home on the South side. Um, so yeah, Davis is, for those Indy listeners, is um, a well-known home builder here in Indy, have been for a long time. So I appreciate you sharing. So Zach, let's get your background. You know, I've, I've known your name for quite a while. Um, I know you got a brother in the industry as well, at least, and kind of talk about your background and, and uh, what led you to, to where you are here now. Uh, yes. So I'm from Carmel. I was born and raised on the North side. Uh, went down to IU as well. Uh, so Mike and I are, are both Hoosiers here. Nice. Uh, I was involved, involved with uh, a fraternity down there and did some bartending at Kilroy's. So after that, I ended up actually in the logistics industry for a few years, moved up to Chicago and was working a really fast paced uh, sales job up there. And in the meantime, my dad had been running a real estate business in, in Carmel for, I think he was in the business for 53 years. And my older brother had been working for him for maybe eight or nine years at the time and came to a point where you know, he was getting closer to retirement and my brother gave me the call and said, Hey, we need you to come back and help run the family business. You know, why don't you get your real estate license and, you know, come join the family. Yeah. So I decided to kind of take the leap, got my license. And in 2014, moved back to Indianapolis. Uh, we worked for my dad's company for a little bit. And then my older brother and I decided that we wanted to follow in our dad's footsteps and start our own real estate company. So in 2015, we found an indie home shop. And then I was doing some residential sales for a few years. And then around 2018, I started working with investors, uh, both in state and out state, who were looking for, you know, either a, a property to fix up and flip or fix up and hold. And then in 2019, I decided to kind of get in the game myself. And I started flipping houses, you know, with some investor partners. And over the years, you know, I think I've done somewhere between, you know, 10 and 20 flips, um, you know, some for myself, some with partners, and then probably around 20, you know, rental rehabs. Um, and that's kind of how Mike and I ended up getting acquainted was, you know, first it was looking into, should we flip houses together? Right. So I kind of, kind of led us up to, you know, working together and after getting started and just kind of setting some goals and looking right. into a year plan of let's flip some houses, we came across a really great deal that, 
after further analysis, we realized this might actually be a better rental property than it would be a flip right now. Mm -hmm. So why not, uh, why not try and do some rental work? Yeah. Well, I appreciate the background and yeah, you, you come from a, a family deep in real estate as well. Um, you guys share that in common. As I remember Zach, when we first started considering property management, this would have been 2005, 2006, probably when we were like, you know, should we turn our portfolio over to property managers? You know, your dad is Jim Canool, right? Jim yep. Canool, right? He, he um, owned a company, AM Relo, and he was one of like three property managers in town at the time, like maybe four, maybe five. I don't know. There weren't many, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he, he ran a nice business back then, you know? Um, so you have deep ties into real estate property management, the whole thing. Yeah. So I, his, I know his company at one point in time, I think they had 250 rentals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they had a rental division and a sales division. Right. And I think that just kind of watching it and my brother's experience with it as well, that was part of what kind of led it, led me into exploring into the rental side of the business. Uh, you know, thinking about the economy and the market. And, and I think the, the safety in it is that when you're working with investment properties, if you can be involved in flips and rentals, then whatever happens in the market, you always have a pivot. Yep. So no I question. think that's a beauty that real estate, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Something kind of got into and yeah. Um, so you talked about, you guys are our partners now with best management. Um, either, either of you can answer this. How did you two connect? Like what, what was, was there a meeting? Was there like, Hey Mike, you should talk to this uh, Zach Canole guy or Zach, you should talk to this Mike. I mean, how did, how did that form? Like how did you guys have that first meeting and what did that look like? You know, we, we, I started to kind of get back into the um, real estate. You know, my, I've got a really active uh, legal practice. We do a lot of banking work, a lot of developer work. And I've been wanting to get into some of the real estate investing, you know, in, in, to supplement my legal practice. And I had known a guy that had done some stuff down in the Butler area, and I was kind of working with him to do some rehabs. And he had a ton of rentals and was doing some flips. And I was working with him on that. And it, it didn't work out with that particular partner, but a lady that I was working with at the time said, oh, you, you need to meet this guy, Zach Canal, because, you know, he's a really good guy. He's a, a good friend, really strong realtor. And would you want to meet him? I said, yeah. So we we went to the Flatwater restaurant, which you know well, Jeremy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there in Broad Ripple. And mm -hmm. we met and, you know, we just talked and, you know, our our styles kind of matched, I thought. I thought our philosophies matched. You know, when you have a partnership, you want each party to bring something unique to the table or different to the table that would complement your strengths or your, you know, things, things that you might need. And with his background and kind of what I was wanting to do and how I was wanting to do it, you know, we, we just kind of hit it off at that lunch and walked a couple properties and, you know, made a couple offers, which we'll get into but really it was as I was getting back into to wanting to do some of the investing like we're doing and 
you know, just an introduction and we hit it off and, um, you know, we've been partners on, on this portfolio since that time, you know, it's worked and, out great. And when was that? When did you guys, when did you guys start? What, 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 what year was that? Or I would say Zach's summer of, what is it? 22, 21, summer of 21. Yeah. So late summer, early fall of 21, uh, 21 we were right. met and I think we might've bought our first property right before the end of the year. It's like November of 21, right. I think. Yeah. yeah. But majority, so, you know, majority of the portfolio was put together in 22. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's something I want to talk about because Mike, you hit on it, you know, partnerships are so important and you have to establish roles. You have to establish, you know, you want to find a partner that, that, you know, is, is kind of a mirror image of you in terms of your strengths and weaknesses. Um, but you guys went out and you didn't mess around. Like we deal <laughs> with investors, we deal with investors who, um, you know, and for, for many reasons just can't pull the trigger. Right. And they, they're, they're cautious. They're second guessing, third guessing. Um, it's a big decision, right? I mean, when you make that first buy, you guys were different because you had both done transactions on your own before you came together. So maybe that helped prime your all's pump. But you guys, like you mentioned, in 2022, you, you acquired a couple of dozen doors, right? I mean, it could be more than that. That's kind of what we manage for you now. And the other thing is you didn't do it like some other investors we see where you went out and just bought the cheapest stuff you could find. Right? It's like, well, I have 150 grand. So what can I buy? Okay. Now I have, you know, I have 90 grand. What can I buy? Um, you guys were very intentional. You built your portfolio quickly. I mean, your average rents, you know, the average rents here in Indianapolis, um, as far as single family goes through the MLS are about 1250, maybe 1300 bucks. You guys are a little over 18, right at 1800, I think. So you, you didn't mess around. You bought nice properties. Um, you did a ton of work to them. So what caused you to do that? Like, what did you guys just say, look, did you set a goal? Like, Hey, we want to buy 10 homes or 20 doors or in the, in 2022, or was it just like, we're going to buy everything that makes sense. And then when, when it all falls out, we'll, we'll see what we have. Um, you know, I think when we, we first got in it, Zach and I met, he had a, a really good feel for broad ripple because he's lived there and he's worked there. You know, I do too. I live close to Broad. Everybody loves Broad Ripple here in Indy. Yeah. And as we talked, we kind of put together kind of some parameters. Hey, we, you know, we want to be east of college, south of 65th Street, north of 38th, you know, west of the Monon, east of north of 46. We kind of had some parameters and we also had some dollar amounts that we wanted to, to look at that we thought could generate certain rents. So we kind of started with that. And, you know, at that time, there were a lot of properties that were coming on the market that fit that, those parameters. And Zach had brought a guy named Chris Falk to the table, who's just an outstanding contractor, one that we trust and that Zach's done a lot of work with. And I had access to capital you know, that's huge. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so as we kind of got into it, we didn't really have any goals for how many houses we wanted to do. We, we, we bought more than I ever thought we would, but they've all fit 
into this box that we've talked about. And, you know, when you can 51, 28 Primrose is a great example. I think Zach will remember the numbers better than I will, but it, it was just a gut job. It was a, you know, really inexpensive purchase price. We had a good contractor that gave us a fixed fee. We could kind of figure out what we'd have all in, what we thought we could rent it for. And we bought it and turned it over and you guys are managing it and it's worked out. So, you know, I, I think access to capital, having a good plan in place, having a resource like Zach to find the houses, someone like Chris who can fix them up. And you know, my ability to finance it is kind of what caused and, and good deals came along. You know, right. that's the difference. Like right. this year, we haven't seen that many good deals come along. We just closed on one that Zach had off market. But I, Zach, what would you say? I mean, is that consistent with how you'd answer that question? Yeah, I think one of the things we established from the beginning was we wanted to build a quality portfolio. Mm -hmm. the, the goal was never let's just accumulate a giant volume of homes. It was anything we buy, we we would like to shape into the higher quality rental. And I think that's that's part of how we've been successful thus far in achieving higher rents was, you know, kind of going the extra mile and, and doing a little bit more than most people would consider for a, a rental property. You know, there's this kind of this stigma out there that if it's a rental, you should just put in fee, you know, cheap fixes and do the bare minimum. And, you know, because the home's going to take a beating over time and you'll fix it up later. But we kind of took a different approach and said, what if we made these homes nice? Mm -hmm. You know, what if we we put in the updated kitchens and bathrooms and and really set up a, a quality portfolio and and keep in mind the the long term play of we're going to hold these for a while and and every year we're going to be able to get just a little bit more rent than probably average market because they're nicer properties right so talk talk about that Zach I think that's an interesting because I think you're right some people are like I want to do the cheapest grade carpet I want to do flat paint I want to do you know basic appliances. Talk, talk about that. What, what, so you mentioned upgraded kitchens. Like, like, what are you doing like specifically that investors that are listening could say, you know, that could add value not only to the property, but to my rent. Cause I think those things are very closely related. So like, what are some specifics there? So it's, it's something that, you know, Mike and I would discuss. I, we would, myself and the contractor would walk the property and Mike would walk it with us. And we, we kind of all come up with a plan. And we'd say, okay, here's some options. We could do these renovations and it will cost X. We could do these renovations and it will cost Y. And we would look at different plans for each property and try to determine, you know, what fixes are increasing the future value, what fixes are directly potentially increasing the rent and we would act accordingly. And I think part of it would have to do with where we were able to purchase the property. You know, the, obviously the lower we could purchase it, the more customization we could, right. we could do. Um, and that's kind of what Mike was talking about where we had a budget, we had a buy box 
And then it came into, well, we need to all in, be at a certain number point based on number of beds and baths and location. So there was a lot of kind of working and reworking the plan to sort out you know, does it make sense to gut the kitchen or do we just replace the countertops? Mm -hmm. You know, does it make sense to finish the basement or do we just clean it up in its storage? Um, So that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I've tried to keep an eye on over the years in terms of return on investment and what fixes you can do, you know, to improve efficiency or improve aesthetics and just understanding the balance of, you need a little bit of both to appeal to the renter while also improving the value of the home. Right. Cause you, you guys are doing like solid surface countertops, like upgraded cabinetry, nice stainless appliances. I mean, you guys are, you guys are bringing it, right? I mean, you're, you're making it very attractive so that if, if it's in between two homes, you guys will probably win. Is that accurate? I, I'd That's say yes. Yeah, so, you know, we've, we've, you know, just from my new home uh, uh, building days, you know, it, it the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> the bathrooms. Um, we've we've added privacy fences to each of our homes. You know, Zach and I are both dog lovers, and we're dog friendly as it comes to you know our rentals, and we think that's important for people to have some privacy and also to to have that. So we we have we. You know, we we take a lot of pride in these properties. You know, if, if I drive up with my wife and my kids, and hey, this is a house we own, and walk through it, you you want to feel good about it. Um, right. So we we've just taken a little different philosophy. We've put a little bit more in on the front end with the features you're talking about, just to get more rent, of course, but to, you know, just to uh, have a really good quality product and pride in our portfolio. Right. Well, I think that's great. And, um, you know, just to, the, the partnership seems really interesting because, you know, you got a lawyer, <laughs> you got a realtor, um, you got capital and you got a ton of knowledge. So it's like, you guys have a lot of good things going for you, which is probably one of the reasons you were able to, to scale so quickly. Um, so it's, it's interesting stories, but it's all right. So you start buying these homes, you start doing a ton of work to them. They are shining and and now you decide, hey, we want to rent this property. So in the early stages, which wasn't that long ago, but <laughs> uh, talk about how you guys did management. Like, you know, there's a lot of pieces to it. Obviously, you had to market it. You had to screen, move people in, handle maintenance, all that stuff. So talk about what that looked like for you two. You know, I, I think at the very beginning, we bought our first house at 3949 Winthrop. It's a great little house in a great spot backs up to the Monon um we bought it we managed the construction like you said we had a lady that was working with us um full-time really at the time and she was she had a property management background and she helped kind of coordinate loosely the construction but she was also um would advertise the property and on Zillow and Zach and tell all the different sources, but we would get a lead on that house and we had a little 
you know, buy board lease <laughs> mm-hmm. and we'd sign the lease and she would manage that, that lease and that tenant. Then we buy another one and we do it again and we do another one again, again, again. And, you know, I'll fast forward a little bit. We, and, oh, the other component to this, Jeremy, is our family, uh, you know, the Davis family, we'd own three different apartment properties here in Indianapolis that had about six or 700 doors. Wow. And we had a property management company, best management, that managed those. And we mm-hmm. had a kind of a regional guy and then on site people. Well, our family had sold two of those three in 2021. And in 2022, a lady that had worked down at the remaining property kind of helped us as well with the management company. She'd do a lot of the screenings and you know, a lot of the background checks and income verifications and all that. Well, we then sold uh, Pleasant Springs in 2022. And as the portfolio continued to build, um, we lost our access to you know our property management there. Candidly, it just it got the you talk about scale and Zach and I are trying to do it with a part-time person and it just got, you know, too much really to handle and our reporting wasn't good. And, and, and I had talked to Zach and I said, man, we gotta, we gotta look at this. And Zach said, well, I I said, who do you know in town? He said, well, teenage realty got a great reputation and why don't we call them? And I, I said, yeah, let's call them. And, we sat down with you and your partner and put a deal together pretty quickly. But, you know, the whole self-management thing, if you have three, four, five houses, um, even that, it's hard. I mean, you know, unless you're wanting to take the calls yourself, which I don't want to do, and you're wanting to go out there, you know, two in the morning to fix something, which I don't want to do, you know, to me, it's best to turn it over to a professional management company. And you guys have just done a great job. We talk about it a lot. so. Um, I appreciate that. So, so yeah. Zach, it, from, from your perspective, Zach, as you know, you, you're a boots on the ground person, obviously as a realtor, as realtors do, but yeah. what, what, what kind of, how did you see that? Like the property management going when, were you on the same page with Mike or what? Yeah. That's a big yeah. decision, right? That's a big decision. <laughs> he yeah, was further we, ahead. <laughs> we, we, uh, you know, we had someone that was at one point, full-time man, you know, man, helping manage the rehab projects we had and helping, you know, lease and manage move-ins and schedule and everything. And it got to the point where for even for one person full-time, it was just too much to handle too many moving parts. You know, you've got 20 leads coming in on one property and we have six properties available. That's just too much for one person to handle. Um, and then I think we had an, you know, a number of kind of just growing pains with getting homes that were coming from a rehab phase into a livable phase. You know, anytime you have someone live in a property that hasn't been lived in, there's always going to be some minor things that need to happen or, or tweaks or, you know, the hot water needs to be turned up here or there, but Having to deal with all that kind of at the same time, it became a, a full-time job for me just to help the property manager do their full-time job. And then now things are spilling over into Mike's full-time job. And and we got to a point where we both just said, we, we need help. 
you know, right. This is, this has gotten too big for us to handle. Uh, I don't think property managers get enough credit because in my opinion, it's kind of a thankless, thankless business to some degree, because you've got the owners, the property owners, many times that are just expecting everything to be done and easy. And then you have the tenants that they're basically only calling you if they have an issue. So you're, I can see you're kind of just getting it from both sides sometimes. And I I don't, you know, that's not something that we wanted to do anymore. (laughs) So we've had a delinquent tenant as well, that just, you know, we were trying to be nice guys and Hey, can you give it another month? And we said, okay, (laughs) they're going to pay you next. Okay. You know, and it's just like, and then they flaked out on us, of course. And I thought, you know, with, with, with TNH, it's like, hey, you know, we, we're sympathetic, but you owe this rent. And you, it, it was just things like that as well that just kind of reaffirmed the decision um, of just letting a professional management company handle our portfolio. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's been good. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, I've, you know, I've talked about this before, but, you know, when your time becomes more valuable than the cost of the service, <laughs> then it's a good time to, to, to engage a service, whatever that service is. Um, and, you know, I can see Zach, maybe you didn't say this specifically, but it's like, it almost felt like the property management management <laughs> was preventing you from finding you and Mike another deal or from making sure a contractor is on schedule or whatever, where that's where your expertise is and that's where your value really comes in, not mm-hmm. trying to collect rent, you know, on a delinquent tenant. That that isn't as high value use for your time. Yes. And and I do regular residential sales. So right. all along the time of building this investor, you know, investment portfolio with Mike. I'm still running a regular residential yeah. business. And on top of that, I'm now having to run a property management business. And it got to the point where I can only put on so many different hats in a day. And I, you know, you've already, you've said it. It's like our time to concentrate on the big picture was too valuable to be worried about having to rekey something because someone lost their key or whatever, you know, right. not to say that's not important, yeah. but that happens. There's just, <laughs> We wanted to focus more on big picture, analyzing the portfolio and, you know, being able to have the time to look for that next deal instead of worrying about, you know, what, what's happening with our current stuff. Right. No, I think that's great. So it looks like I'll just kind of put a button on your, you know, the reason you guys have been successful. And I think Mike talked about this is, I think these are nice takeaways, you know, defining your buy box is so important because there's you know, you can't buy everything and you want to buy what you know. And you mentioned Broad Ripple. Um, in fact, I've said this before, but your all's portfolio kind of looks like the portfolio Scott and I put together, you know, in the t- between 2000, 2005, we have a lot of similar, you mentioned Primrose Avenue. I used to live on Primrose Avenue, own rentals on Primrose Avenue. So it's, it's, it's interesting how you've, you're, we're kind of in the same territory, but, you know, defining that buy box is important, which also you mentioned, you know, the dollar amounts that you want to invest in some of these properties. Um, that's so critical. And then getting everything lined up, right? Making sure you've got a good realtor, which is a partner, <laughs> to, to find those deals. You've got capital, you know, at your disposal. And then maybe, you know, an underappreciated part of this whole thing is the contractors. 
um, really good contractors. You know, we, we, I think of blue collar workers, those blue collar contractors as the new white collar workers, they're premium. They're in, they're in demand right now. Uh, the trades are so in demand. And if you have those relationships, gosh, they're so invaluable, right? Uh, they're dependable. Their price structure is consistent. Um, even though prices are soaring right now, you know, you're, you're getting a fair deal with them. That's really important. So it's just, you know, again, creating your goals and then getting your team built is so important for that new investor going forward. So, um, yeah. So talk about, Zach, you'd mentioned when we spoke earlier about, you know, exit strategies, you guys have played around in some things. Um, want to just explore that for a minute here. You guys have done short-term rentals, which I think is interesting. You've done flips. Um, and then you've obviously done some buy and hold stuff. So, you know, real estate is all about, you know, creating exit strategies and having multiple plans that, you know, multiple contingencies that you can, you can call on if need be. Um, I've talked about in this podcast where, you know, there's been plenty of flips that Scott and I bought in a day that are now rentals. You know, they were, they were, we wanted to flip them, but for whatever reason they became rentals and those have all worked out really well <laughs> for the most part. But, uh, Talk about that. Is that something you guys consciously go into it to say, look, okay, we're buying one, two, three Main Street. We could do one of three things. We could short term it. We could, we could turn it over to management, or we could flip it. I mean, what 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 goes into that? Do you, do you start with a definite plan, or do you let that kind of speak for itself after the product's done? You know, I I would say it's we're we're, we're opportunistic. You know, in that our first goal, you know, we had done three flips when we first met and we started then kind of simultaneously building our rental portfolio. So at the very beginning, it was like, Hey, you know, if we find a good flip, if we find a house, we'll analyze it. Like you said, Jeremy, we'll, we'll say, Hey, is this a good rental? Is it a good flip? Zach did a ton of, you know, uh, comparative analysis to, help us guide us in that decision-making process. And, you know, at the time we, we'd find a house and make that decision and kind of move forward to the point. Now we have the 23 doors that you, they got 24 now, 24 doors that you mentioned. We've got some flips kind of on a go forward basis. We, we have our box. Um, we have our parameters on flips. You know, I, I, I don't love these, high-end flips that you put a bunch of capital in and it sits there, you know, you wait to sell it, your money's kind of tied up. I mean, we've looked kind of at more moderate flips. Our go forward plan is, is just to be very opportunistic. We've, we've got some properties now that we would consider selling for different reasons to kind of, as we analyze our portfolio, Zach's always on the lookout for a potential flip. We don't really have a finite exit strategy. It's more of a long-term strategy. And, and that is just, you know, we just want to maintain this portfolio, um, watch the cash flow, watch paying down long-term debt, be opportunistic if we have a property to sell or buy or flip. Um, but, you know, we're, we're both in this for the long haul. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I look at my retirement five, 10 years from now and hope to have this portfolio as part of my cash flow in retirement years. Yeah. So it's not a real specific exit strategy. It's just kind of opportunistic. 
um, with with kind of a long term goal in mind that kind of guides our decision making. Okay, Zach, your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think I think one thing that we've learned over, even though we've only been doing this a short period of time, we continue to, I guess, analyze our portfolio, and I think it's natural for your buy box or your portfolio profile to change over time you know maybe your goal or your goals change over time so it's natural for your portfolio of properties to be evolving and by that i mean i feel like we'll always have one or two where we say maybe we sell these two and buy this one instead uh you know maybe we check different price points or maybe we're selling single family and buying more multifamily or vice versa. You know, so we like, like you said, we like to keep our options open and we do have, you know, some properties where we've done, you know, the hard work, like you said, I think for, especially with the out-of-state investors, if you don't have someone on the ground that can walk properties and design the rehab and manage the construction, I wouldn't recommend buying a fixer upper if you mm -hmm. don't have all these things here so that's where we've done some of the you know the the hard work up front where we have turnkey rentals that you know for the right price we we turn over to someone else and it gives us another project to work on right you know that being said i think at at the same time we're always willing to look at opportunities that present themselves and if it fits our current buy box and our needs, then we might want to add to the portfolio. Right. So we're, yeah. we're trying to stay a little, a little fluid in that direction. Yeah. And, and as far as, you know, the exit strategies, like Mike said, you know, this is really rentals are a long-term game. I think we've been on the same page where a lot of people get caught up in the cash flow and thinking, man, I really just want that extra hundred bucks a month. And I've always looked at it from, well, think about the 10-year appreciation gain instead of what you could gain, you know, by getting $100 a month for the next 10 years. The, it, with Indianapolis market conditions and with what they're projecting for the next five years, you know, we'll, we should see 20, 25% appreciation in the next five years. And that will far outweigh right. an extra hundred or 150 bucks a month, you know, here or there. So just yeah. understand the long-term, um, you know, the long-term goals and maybe down the road, there's a point where we sell the portfolio in chunks or all together to someone, or, you know, maybe we sell them at different times throughout the next 10 or 20 years. You know, I think we're, we're trying to be flexible and, and, you know, take advantage of opportunities when they come along. Yeah. I think that's, that's great. You're speaking my language, Zach. I mean, you know, I think the natural inclination for most investors is cash flow, right? I mean, it's just like, well, it has to pencil out. And I get that. I mean, it, it does make sense that it has to pencil out. You don't want to go into a, a negative cash flow situation. If you have one property, I totally get that. But we've always preached long-term, you know, real estate is a long-term wealth building exercise the first podcast we ever did was the five profit centers of real estate. And if 
and anyone hasn't listened to that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. I did that with Devin, one of our brokers here. And, you know, cash flow is one of the five, but it's just, it's just one. And the appreciation, that's where wealth is made. I mean, that's that's where that debt's paid down, the market goes up. Um, that 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 you're right, Zach. That is where <laughs> that's where the magic happens. And you know, it it far outweighs that extra fifty or hundred bucks that you that you just feel like you have to get, right? <laughs> to make it make sense. So all right. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. So talked about some of your successes, obviously scaling up to a couple dozen doors in one year, particularly in this market. I think, you know, kudos to you guys. That's awesome. Um, but with every success, with every risks you take in mean, businesses, as you know, there's inherent risk in every business. And if you're not failing, you're not trying. So what, what, um, what are some of the biggest mistakes you guys have made or you came into this with a ton of experience. So maybe there wasn't any, you know, egregious errors you made, but what were some of the things that you said, you know, if we could start over, we may do this differently. There's not much too different I would do on the rental portfolio. I think we've stayed pretty disciplined in our initial approach and tried to look at each property individually for the things we've already talked about, cash flow, potential appreciation and whatnot. We, <laughs> we did buy a couple houses that were just dilapidated and s-hole you know when you walk through a but but hey this boy wouldn't this be great really shine up the neighborhood and increase values and it wasn't altruistic but it was but it it was just a couple of huge projects that were just total gut jobs and, and they all turned out okay, but it's a little bit like I talked about why we kind of steer clear of kind of the higher end stuff. It just took a lot longer than we thought it would, and it cost more than we thought it would. It, the product is great. I mean, it, it all those we did hit all those boxes, but the you know the biggest mistake I think, in, in my opinion, was just taking on these just huge projects you know, that were just totally dilapidated and it just took twice as long as you thought and it cost 30% more than you did. And, you know, you walk away from it and you're okay. Um, but, you know, and the other might be just, you know, get, giving too much rain to a particular contractor that you didn't have a lot of experience with Yeah, and let them get too far out before you said, Hey, let's, this is on me. This is not on Zach let's try this one first and see how it works out. And then we'll do another one where you maybe give them two and you wish you wouldn't have given them, given them any. And you found out later in the game, but we weeded that group out and we just have just a, some great contractors. So um, I don't know though. Those are, I'm sure there are other mistakes, but Zach, what would you, uh, what would you say? Yeah, I think I, I agreed that, we got to a point where we had these six or eight month rehabs going on while simultaneously building this rental portfolio and managing these, you know, there'd be six or eight minor rehabs going. And then we'd have four to five, you know, rentals hitting the market and having to get those. And I think one of our, if we were to go back and do it again, I would probably hire you guys sooner. To, yeah. You know, having 
having professional property management, you know, from a, a, I guess when we maybe we hit four or five doors, just go ahead and passing off some of that to the professionals instead of trying to do it all ourselves, you know, while we're flipping and while we're rehabbing and while we're leasing and what, you know, there's just so much going on that it would have saved us a lot of time and effort to be able to at least automate the property management side of things through this whole process. I also think that we, there were many lessons that we learned from growing as quickly as we did. Um, it's not for everyone. Right. There, there, you know, like I said, there, there was always going to be things that with bumps in the road that we had to overcome. And we hit a lot, you know, we hit a lot of those bumps in a short period of time just because of how quickly we were able to build that portfolio. But in the long run, I think that that those, I guess you could call a mistake, will pay out in a big way because we were able to build this portfolio in one year, you know? Yeah. So that appreciation gain, we started right away. And as the market continues to go up, whereas if we had done four at a time or maybe four a year or three a year, or whatever, it might be five more years before we even get to where we're at now. Yeah. So yeah. although it was challenging, I think the fact that we pushed through it and continued to buy when it made sense and we, we didn't, I guess, become afraid of, oh, have we overreached? It was, well, this is, this, this house makes sense. Let's get it. Right. Let's add it to portfolio and and kudos to mike for you know trusting me and trusting the contractors and keep being able to keep that long-term goal in mind because in the short term when you're buying these houses and you're putting money into them and you're rehabbing and all that you're not seeing anything back yet yeah. <laughs> you know it takes yeah. it takes months sometimes just to see that first tenant check you know, come in or, or the closing happens for a flip and, and you have to just understand that it's a, it's a long game and you'll get that money back and then some over time, but you have to be willing to be patient. And that's, right. you know, one thing that Mike's been great about is just, let's just, let's focus on long-term and, you know, there's going to be bumps in the road in the short term, but in the grand scheme of things, it's going to all be minor and let's keep our eye on the price. Yeah, that's great stuff. I appreciate that. So before I let you two go, I want to give you just a couple of three questions. Um, I'll start, Zach. If you tell me your favorite restaurant here in Indianapolis. Favorite restaurant. Uh, I'll tell you what, my absolute go-to spot, uh, especially for meeting clients, has been Upland. On college? Upland, on college. 49 okay. in college. I, I went to IU. Yeah. I reminisce every time I'm in there. I think <laughs> about Bloomington. Yeah. It's close to my house. They love the little patio they've got going there. That's where I meet a lot of my clients and, you know, talk real estate or, or, uh, you know, meet with, meet with buyers before they start their home search or whatever. It's one of my favorites. Great. Uh, Mike, your favorite restaurant. I would have to say Tinker street <clears throat> down on 16th and, yeah. College, just well, just west of college. My wife and I love going there and go there with friends and you know, just a great little spot. Great food. Yeah. Great going atmosphere. There next, going there next Wednesday, anniversary. All right. 
it's nice. we walk there. We, we we're we're neighbors for Tinker Street, so we we love that little spot. So yeah, I love that um, spot. Favorite favorite bar and Zach, maybe Upland is your favorite bar too. I don't know, but what's your favorite bar if you just want to go have a drink? Um, you know, I like to mix it up some. Um. <laughs> uh, I like, you know, I've got places in Broderp I like to go. I've got places close by I like to go, you know, close to my house. We love going down to Mass Ave. We love going downtown. Um, when Mo and Johnny's was around, that was my absolute favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Most of, you know, proximity to my house. Sure. Uh, I do, I do like the Bulldog as well. You know, it's been, it's been great to see that, uh, that place up and running, but I think, yeah. I think the my favorite um, my favorite spot in at least South Broadway because I like just going to places you know near home is uh, Half Leader. I think that okay. their yeah. their patio and their yeah. barbecue and their selection is just amazing. That okay. might be one of my favorites. Yeah, I you know they're right. They're like two blocks away from our office. Half Leader is and. Um, haven't been there in a while. They, they, they were German and they converted to barbecue and I think that's where they are today. Right. So barbecue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, Mike, your favorite bar. Uh, I've got, I've got a few in mind. I would say we love Northside social. I love just kind of sitting at that bar. It's, you know, I, it's just a cool, cool bar setting and the, and the food's good. Um, we like to park our car at like 75th i think it is in westfield and we take our dog and we walk her up the uh, the monad and we a lot of times will go to Flatwater. they're very dog friendly yeah. and um leader houses too you know we love yeah. sitting there um root and bones got a really cool bar good restaurant so we you know we're kind of creatures of habit we we kind of tend to go down towards towards broad ripple so yeah those would All right. probably flatwater. Right. I, I, we love sitting outside of flatwater and they, they love dogs there. So it's all yeah. good. Last one, Zach, if you could live anywhere in Indianapolis and price was not a concern, where would you live? Honestly, I, I, I think Meridian Kessler. Yeah. I like the central location of it mm-hmm. um, because not only is it central, you know, North, South, it's also central East, West. Right. So, you know, for, for me and in my resident residential, as well as in, on the best investor side, I have to think about how long does it take me to get from home to wherever my appointment is. Mm-hmm. So living, uh, living in the centralized area where I can hop on Meridian and hit the North side, or I can hop on Capital Meridian and jump downtown. That's, that's been it's been great. I, right. I, I very much enjoy it. And there's some beautiful homes over there. Absolutely. You're not far. You just got to jump across Winthrop or college there and you're, you're Kessler, but all right, Mike, you. Oh, I would say Williams Creek. You know, like yeah. I grew up in that area. Uh, we live close to there now. We're at 82nd and spring mill. My okay. wife and I walk through Williams Creek a lot. I just love those beautiful lawns and beautiful homes. And it's uh like a lot of neighborhoods, our neighborhood has turned over quite a bit. A lot of younger families moving in, which is really nice. And I think Williams Creek has kind of gotten that way. But that location, you know, we go to Second Pres Church. I work up here at the Fashion Mall. We, our kids are out of school, but they went to, you know, Burbuff, North Central. 
be able to go to Nora a lot. Uh, it's just very centrally located yeah. and just beautiful, beautiful Great property. So Great yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike and Zach, I really appreciate you guys joining me. Um, if people want to reach out to you, network, get advice, whatever, what's the best way to, to connect with you, with each of you? I'll start with you, Mike. Go ahead. Um, you know, my email address, mdavis at cgg, that's cat golf golf lawfirm.com. So mdavis at cgg lawfirm.com. Um, drop me an email. Our website is best mgmt, best management, best mgmt.com. It's got our portfolio, you know, on, on our website. Um, I would just say email. Email is yeah. probably the best. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Zach? Uh, yeah. So a couple ways. Email uh, Z-A-C at Indy, I-N-D-Y, homeshop.com. Uh, that's an easy way for me to re- respond. You can also check out my website, closewithcanal.com, or uh, find me on social media at closewithcanal. Yeah, it's great. That's a great uh, URL. I like that. So, well, well guys, we're I open to per- Jeremy as a developer. You know, I mean, if people, and we'll answer any questions. If somebody said, "Hey, just kind of curious about the indie market, your take," you know, we're happy to talk to to people that way. We can work as a developer. You know, um, we're we're very yeah. flexible. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, great experience. Um, you guys have a have a seem like a great team. So again, guys, thanks so much. I, I appreciate your, your knowledge, sharing it so freely. And um, again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So we hope everyone's picked up some information that will help them in their investing. We'll be back next month with another podcast. In the meantime, we encourage you to share this podcast with your investing friends, leave us a review and don't hesitate to reach out to us with any questions. Until next time, thanks so much for listening and please stay invested in your investment.